Welcome to another edition of Market Impact Insights, your podcast source for business leadership perspectives to help your business grow. Hear from experts in marketing, sales, business strategy, and more with practical advice for business success. Make sure you won't miss the latest episodes by visiting marketimpactnow.com. Now, here's your host, Dan Albaum. Hello again, everyone. This is Dan Albaum welcoming you back to another special episode of Market Impact Insights. This is episode number 100. And when I started the podcast three years ago, it was built around the philosophy that in business, it's all about making an impact every day. And I've been blessed with the opportunity to speak with business leaders from around the world, providing a whole range of unique feedback perspectives and experience on exceptional leadership. And with that in mind, I'm thrilled to announce the upcoming publishing of my book, The Impact Makers, coming this September. The book is going to feature the best of my podcast interviews around different dimensions of leadership, along with my own experience for more than three decades as a marketing leader. So more details to come on the publishing of the book. And now let's move on to this week's episode featuring Sarah Nicastro. Welcome back, everyone, to another great episode of Market Impact Insights. Today, we're going to take a look at delivery of service out in the field. This is a very fast-growing market, uh, a lot of innovation, uh, really fascinating, and it's massive in size. So if we go back six years ago, estimated uh, market size for this to be $1.78 billion, but in 2022, that's estimated to reach four. billion. So really, really fast growing area, a lot of uh, innovation, a lot of automation, and really critical in terms of service delivery to create differentiation in a very competitive space. And fortunate enough to have a very passionate advocate and a real expert in this area of field service and field technologies, Sarah Nicastro, who is a field service evangelist for the future of field service. For more than a decade, Sarah has been helping service organizations try to make sense of what's going on out in this field service space and emerging trends and help them determine how to strategically improve their businesses. And that could be through improved processes, through more engaged people, and harnessing the latest technologies. She's a well-known figure in the industry. Sarah was editor-in-chief at Field Technologies Magazine, and field technologies online. She really understands the full potential when it comes to field service in the strategy formation, the digital transformation that's underway, and then delivering an outstanding customer experience. So she's passionate about innovation, passionate about these trends. And what I've seen at the heart of Sarah's message is a real desire to support customers in becoming more comfortable and knowledgeable about technology. So we're going to get into that a bit with Sarah and really understand the full potential and the impact of field service and also her perspective on just what's happening out in the market and the full potential for all of us as business leaders. So Sarah, all the way from the great state of Pennsylvania, welcome to Market Impact Insights. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for having me. So you've been this thought leader, high impact in field service space for many years, but I'm curious to go back. What originally fueled your passion to focus on field service and field technologies? 
Yeah, it's a great question, Dan. And I think um, like many people that I've talked to that end up having a career in field service, it it wasn't necessarily intentional, uh, but but serendipitous. Uh, so you mentioned uh, field technologies. Uh, I was the editor in chief of field technologies for about 11 years. Uh, and you know, I, I did sort of happen into um, that industry. So uh, the publishing company that that owns that publication, they own a variety of publications. And when I began uh, writing there and, and ultimately became uh, involved with field technologies, I didn't have a background in field service. I wasn't necessarily passionate about it at first. Um, you know, I was learning what it was all about uh, and and understanding it. But there were some things going on. Um, 2008 is when I, I took that role. And there were, were some exciting things going on that really got me hooked um, and ultimately led me to uh, build a career in uh, an industry I never necessarily envisioned myself having a career in. Yeah, you know, I remember meeting you more than 10 years ago uh, when I was at Intermec. And of course, one of our solution areas in our verticals was in the area of uh, being out in in the field, right? In, mm -hmm. in terms of delivery. And uh, I just remember being very inquisitive, um, very engaging. So the interest was definitely there, but it's interesting that it is it's something that just kind of evolved for you, it sounds mm -hmm. like, over time. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and, you know, those... Um, those early conversations, like I said, sort of uncovered a lot of, of interesting things that, you know, we've seen play out uh, since. Um, but but I think we're at pretty early phases then in terms of some of the innovation you mentioned. And um, I just started to get pretty quickly interested in some of the layers of change that were going on in the industry. And, and um, you know, as I understood those more and, and learned more, I just became more and more passionate about the space. And, and as you mentioned in the intro, you know, helping business leaders understand uh, the potential around service and also um, some of what it takes to achieve that potential. Well, let's jump in and talk a little bit about this innovation and what some of these emerging trends are. We mm -hmm. think over the last 10 years, everything just seems to be speeding up uh, mm -hmm. in terms of the pace of innovation. What have you seen and, and is there anything that has really surprised you as, as you've watched this thing unfold? Well, I, I think, you know, if you look at what has changed, um, you know, and, and maybe I'll say some of the things I noticed early on that kind of got me hooked and, and interested in this space, you know, when I started writing about field service um, back in, in 2008, 2009, I think that's when organizations started to really recognize the potential you're talking about. So, you know, the biggest change, I think, is this recognition of service as a potential profit center, service as a path to differentiation for the business. Um, and the power of the impact service has on customers, right? And so I think that's sort of the headline. And then everything that that has spawned into motion, obviously, is is quite interesting, right? So organizations that, you know, maybe when I began my career in this space, were really looking at service more as a cost center, you know, the focuses were 
you know, always around, re- you know, reducing those costs, uh, you know, maximizing efficiency. Um, those things are, are clearly still relevant. But when the perspective shifts to service as a profit center, there's a lot of other interesting things that come up. So uh, everything related to, to customer experience and what customers want, um, you know, uh, the whole world of digital transformation and, and how um, significantly that has evolved uh, since I started my career in this space. You know, the recognition of the role of the frontline worker and, and the field technicians and, and the impact they have on the customer experience. You know, there's all of these things that have been triggered by that recognition that service has all of this power and all of this potential um, that are really, really interesting. Yeah, no doubt about it. And if you just think about just the volume of transactions mm-hmm. and engagement with the customer, that whole dynamics changed too, right? Just in terms of how service gets delivered mm-hmm. is different now. Yeah, and it's still changing. You know, I think, um, you know, there's there's still some uh, some progress to be made in terms of the opportunity for remote service. And I think a lot of times um, organizations, when you talk about remote service, they hear remote only when really we're talking about remote first, right? And so there's there's still a lot of potential to evolve what service delivery looks like and and how that benefits customers, how that benefits companies. Um, so that's that's definitely still a very interesting area of innovation. So on that point of innovation, building healthy and strong and sustainable cultures, that's really hard for companies. And one of the aspects of culture is innovation. And from your perspective, you've seen, you've worked with a lot of companies what do you think are some of the keys for the companies you've seen that have seem to have gotten it in terms of creating this really healthy, innovative culture? Mm-hmm. So I think I would flip what you just said and say, um, you know, you said one of the aspects of culture is innovation. I would say one of the aspects of innovation is culture. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, company a company can have a, a good, strong culture without necessarily being innovative. Um, but I don't think a company can innovate without having a strong culture. Um, and if you think about the nature of service organizations, so whether we're talking about a manufacturer that has, um, you know, that delivers service, whether you're talking about... Um, you know, uh, a utility, whether you're talking about a pure play service provider. Um, I would say not everyone is innovating um, in the true sense. So when when I think of innovation, I think of, you know, some of the um, the bigger shifts, you know, really changing business models, really uh, introducing different, different things. Um, now, I guess, you know, they're all probably innovating in, in more incremental ways. But I think the first uh, thing that, that is important around innovation is for each organization to really define what that means to them. Um, because understanding what the objectives are kind of helps you identify what those keys are, meaning the keys to 
you know, big disruptive innovation are different than the keys to more, you know, incremental um, innovation or continuous improvement, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, sometimes over time, it is that cumulative build of smaller things uh, that Mm -hmm. actually in totality become this massive sea change as opposed to going for the really, really big um, innovation, one-shot innovation, usually it's more of that incremental, I would think. Yeah. And and I think, you know, so certainly digital transformation is one area of, you know, more incremental innovation that companies have been working towards over the past, you know, number of years. Um, and so I think when you think about what's key to success there, you know, it's really around having a cohesive vision, um, you know, making sure that that the company is taking a united approach and not working in silos, making sure to prioritize change management um, and and those sorts of things. Um, We do see organizations, you know, examples of, of companies that are introducing an as a service model, for example, to me, that's a, a bigger innovation because you're talking really about a shift in business model. Um, and then there are a lot of changes that need to take place from, you know, the organizational structure and processes and, you know, customer relationships, et cetera. And, you know, I think to achieve that type of innovation, businesses really need to reflect on is the is their company structured in a way that allows for that right i mean innovation to that extent it requires risk um it will involve failure and it's an investment and so sometimes companies think they want to innovate in that way but in reality they're not set up to do so so again i think one of the biggest um things here is is for each organization to really define what innovation means for them and what they're working toward uh, and kind of, you know, step back from there to see what it is they they need to focus on. Now, you mentioned a few minutes ago, customer relationships, and obviously focusing on customer understanding needs, it's so critical for success and in, in service delivery. From your perspective, what does exceptional leadership look like in the services space, maybe with that customer-focused lens? Yeah, I think it is that outside-in approach. Um, And so today's customers don't want to, you know, select from a menu of services, right? They want a relationship that feels more individualized to their needs. They want a partnership. They want a trusted advisor, right? And so the only way to really achieve that is to, um, you know, develop services with the customer first, you know, the customer in mind. And um, so I think the, the companies that are doing, you know, an exceptional job at that are really building those relationships. They're understanding the needs their customers have uh, and the challenges their customers have and looking for creative ways to to solve those. So that could mean improving services that maybe they've delivered for a very long time. It could also mean expanding those to include, you know, different facets uh, of, of things and um, you know, introduce new and, and different services that are maybe related to, you know, what they've done traditionally. 
Yeah, and I'm curious from a global perspective, I know you're just wrapping up an extensive roadshow series in Europe and the US, different markets, uh, maybe different uh, customer perspectives when we think about the world. Has that experience and some of the input feedback conversation you had during that changed your perspective at all on some of the global challenges and opportunities? Um, I don't know that it changed my perspective. It certainly you know, reinvigorated me to uh, around what I do, right? So I love what I do. I'm very passionate about what I do. Um, and, you know, there's, it reinforced to me how much commonalities there are in, in both the opportunities and the challenges that companies focused on service have across the world. I mean, there, we have far more in common than we do different. You know, I think, a lot of these uh, big focus areas. So, um, you know, customer experience and satisfaction and, you know, service as a differentiator and, and growing, expanding, evolving service offerings, growing service revenue, you know, leveraging today's technologies and um, being a compelling organization to work for and, and being able to attract and retain top talent, you know, those are all things that that organizations across industries across the globe are focused on. And so to me, um, it was just so, you know, fulfilling and energizing to be able to see people come together in a meaningful way in all of those different cities. Um, it reminded me how much power there is in community. So, uh, you know, I like creating content, but I love connecting people. Yeah. And so being able to bring people together in a way that um, allows them to sort of, you know, have that, that reassurance that they aren't the only one in the world with that problem and also exchange ideas to help each other, um, you know, spark some, some new, you know, um, brainstorming or, you know, consider some different best practices or lessons learned. I mean, there's so much power in that. Um, so it was really exciting for me to be able to do that. And I think, um, you know, it reminded me how much we, we all have in common and how um, powerful it is when we can come together and, and share our experiences with one another. Yeah, it's really reinforcing the field service community. That mm-hmm. is globally, and some of those common uh, challenges, uh, common opportunities, and you mentioned the recruitment and the retention of top talent. I would think you know we've been seeing a lot about uh, challenges of companies in many industries <laughs> in terms of being able to retain their talent. Great resignation, different terms mm-hmm. for that. I'm sure you're seeing that in the services space as well. For sure, yeah, and and you know. In, in a lot of cases, again, going back to the innovation, right, where organizations are, are changing how they serve their customers, there's, you know, some evolution of, of the role of the field technician itself, right? Less, less technical um, work, more relationship building, you know, mm-hmm. and, and some yeah. of those things. And so, you know, that combined with the fact that universally, um, you know, there's changes in generationally what people are looking for. There's changes in, um, you know, what it takes to uh, to train um, and and upskill and reskill talent. I mean, there's a lot of different layers to uh, to that 
whole journey. Um, but I think, you know, the the employee experience and employee engagement is something that that I think organizations are really uh, looking more at um, today than than they have. Absolutely, and we're all in these crazy times the last few years with the pandemic. A lot of change, a lot of uncertainty. I'm curious, Sarah, how has your view on leadership and life evolved through all of this? It has affected all of us in different ways, but but what has your experience been? Yeah, I mean, I think um, the the biggest thing for me is the reminder that we are all human beings, um, and so I think it's changed leaders in in a way that is largely positive. I mean, we've become you know, more, more personal. Um, and you know, we, we all, I think prioritized humanity, um, more than we had before, you know, we got to know each other on a, on a different level because you had people's, um, children and pets, you know, coming into teams calls and, you know, we all got to know each other, um, on, on a bit of a deeper level. And, and I see that as a positive, I think, um, you know, it reminded us that while we're all together working because we have a goal to accomplish, we're all also people. Um, and and we need to remember to treat each other as such, you know, and, and understand that everyone has their own things going on. This was a very big shared experience that we had. Um, but I think it's important to remember that, you know, pandemic aside, when you get on a teams meeting with with a group of people or or when you have a, a technician that's maybe um late or distracted you know there's big things going on in our personal lives often that we can't completely separate from our professional lives so i think just remembering that you know we're all people first um and uh and we need to be conscious of that i think is is an important lesson i think the new normal has been dog barks Babies crying, lawnmowers, uh, you name it, right? But Mm -hmm. what a relief for all of us. We can just kind of take a deep breath, relax, chill out. You know what? It's okay. Yeah. Whereas five years ago, you know, it would have been uh, fear, you know, in terms of, oh my gosh, are you hearing that? It's totally- And we we all still got things done. You know, I mean, it's, you can, you can be a person and a professional and, and they, they don't need to be completely separate. You know, everyone's, comfort level with that, uh, is different and that's okay. But, um, you know, for leaders, I think remembering that the people you're working with, um, are real people with real lives and real challenges, uh, is, is something that I hope we don't lose track of. Um, you know, once, once we're not thinking about the pandemic anymore. Yeah, definitely. Well, something else that's gotten increased focus and attention within business, uh, within life has really been developing, nurturing diversity, equity, and inclusion. And from your perspective in the services space, have you seen some compelling changes and outcomes related to this DEI commitment? Yeah, I, I mean, certainly there's focus. I think, you know, the nature of of field service, there's there's still a lot of work to do. Um, yeah. We actually just had a session on this um, at, at our last uh, live tour event in, in Austin. And, um, you know, this is a topic that uh, everyone knows is important. 
Um, but there is certainly a separation between the actions uh, people are taking when they um, really recognize the value of this focus versus, you know, some folks who are just sort of trying to check a box, if you will, right? I think, you know, the value of diversity, equity, and inclusion is the um, variety of perspective and, um, you know, thought and ideas and, and talent it can bring to a company. And, you know, that is important itself, right? And so we only can achieve that if our intent is, is, genuine, right? It, it can't be something that, you know, um, we're just sort of trying to say, okay, well, you know, we need to do this because we feel we have to, right? It, it The value of, of the focus has to be understood. Um, you know, in service, it's still um, very much a, a male-dominated uh, space. And there's a lot of conversation around how to get um, more women uh, involved in in service and other um, you know minority groups, and um, there's examples of of organizations that are doing some really cool things. Um, I was at the the field service Palm Springs event in April, and uh, there was a presentation um, by a woman from Hobart, and she talked about the um, efforts they're doing. Uh, to increase um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And, and they have a whole program created. I mean, it was very well thought out, um, very thorough. Uh, and, and I think that's representative of um, them understanding the value of, of putting real effort uh, behind that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's been progress, but there's a lot more to do um, in the world of, of field service related to this. And uh you know, we need to revisit some of the, um, I guess, historical perceptions we have on on what the role requires, and and you know, um, we need to create better awareness of the opportunities that exist in field service um, among you know different uh, different groups, um, and find different ways to you know evangelize the career paths to a wider group of, of young people. Um, and, you know, there's uh, examples of, of folks that are doing some great things to continue to make progress here. Yeah, it's really going out and, and reaching students, even probably when they're in high school, right, to start building awareness as to, hey, this would be a really cool career track, uh, just yeah. to track more interest if we're talking about gender racial diversity but it really starts at a younger age it's not just the post-college graduates it's reaching out even when uh, folks are younger yeah I mean I had a um, a, uh, a woman on the the podcast not too long ago um, Shannon Timosco and and she in her late 20s um, completely changed up her her career and and she became uh, an electrician and um you know, we, we had a really interesting conversation around the fact that, you know, it honestly starts even earlier, right? I mean, we still are reinforcing a lot of, um, you know, predefined thoughts on, on gender roles, et cetera, among young children, right? And so how do we kind of reflect on you know, some of those really embedded things and think about uh, the outcome that or the the impact they're having later on, right? And, you know, make sure that we're 
teaching our kids, they can, you know, uh, do all sorts of different things and, and, you know, to, to really consider all sorts of different opportunities. Mm -hmm. Well, Sarah, what's the best piece of business advice you've ever received? So, um, I think, you know, there, there's a couple things that, you know, you mentioned earlier that you, uh, you found me inquisitive, uh, and I like that word. Um, I think one of the things that I would say is that, um, you know, you should seek to understand versus seek to respond. So, you know, really listen, um, to, to what people are saying, be curious, be inquisitive. There's a lot you can learn when you, you ask genuine questions and are interested in the response. Um, you know, the other thing, thing I would say is, um, don't be afraid of, of the areas of, of knowledge you lack, you know, that's, it's not a weakness. Um, I always uh, tell the story very early on in my career um, when I started with Field Technologies, one of the first articles I ever wrote, the interview I did for that article, I was very fearful of seeming um, ignorant. And and so the gentleman I was interviewing used a ton of acronyms that I didn't understand. And, and I just kind of nodded and smiled um, because I didn't want to say, well, I don't understand what you mean. Can you explain that to me? And I was very fearful of, of not seeming smart enough. Um, and, you know, ultimately I couldn't write an article based on that interview because I hadn't really understood much. Right. So I had to go back and, and explain to him that I uh, should have asked more questions and to ask for more of his time. And, and that taught me an important lesson that we, all have different areas of, of expertise and, and different um, insights. And, and it's okay to not know everything. You just need to ask a lot of questions and um, listen intently to the answers. And that's one of the best ways to learn. So. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and even thinking about leadership and exceptional leadership, the vulnerability that comes with really being open and transparent that even though you may have senior leader as a title, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to always be the smartest person in the room mm-hmm. on every topic. And but I, it's hard, isn't it, for leaders to show that? I, I found that to be the case. Have you have you seen that as well? I mean, it's really hard to open up to, to say, "Hey, I, I'm not sure. Can you explain that more? I don't have all the answers." And so it feels like there's more of that burden if you're a senior leader to want to project that, "No, I've got this." Yeah. I think that is evolving as well, though. I think, you know, the power of vulnerability and leadership is sort of tied to what we talked about with the pandemic and sort of, you know, more humanity, right? And I think that's, I think that's a trend as well. I mean, um, there, there's, you know, different reasons that can, can occur. It can be ego, it can be, you know, fear, you know, all of these different things. But um, I think there's, you know, a lot of power in just being authentic and and being yourself um, and being confident in your particular areas of expertise and uh, and knowledge and knowing that to your point, you don't have to know everything. I mean, that's, um, you know, that's why diversity of thought <laughs> is so powerful, right? It's no one person knows uh, it all. We need to work together to come up with the best uh you know, solutions and ideas and, and strategies. 
Absolutely. And I know, Sarah, you're always thinking about the future because you're a forward thinker. But as you think about the future, what makes you optimistic? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that that I feel most optimistic about and most excited about is um, all of the potential that exists in service. You know, there's, um, I think we're we're sort of at a point where the things that that I started covering when I entered this space are all kind of coming to fruition um, and and becoming real opportunity and real value for organizations. And I think that. Um, you know, there's a lot of exciting things to come. There's a lot of potential in service yet to be realized. And uh, that's really exciting. And and I'm, um, you know, thrilled to be able to to play a role in helping organizations understand that potential and, and connecting them with one another to help uh, work toward that potential. Yeah, definitely a lot to feel optimistic about there. So as we start wrapping up the conversation, Sarah, do you have any other final suggestion for business leaders that are looking to deliver either a better service experience or achieve long-term growth? What do you, what do you think are some of the keys for them? Uh, the number one key is to um, intimately understand your customers. Uh, so if you want to know what you can do better, ask. If you um, wonder what you're doing well, ask. <laughs> you know, if you want to know what other needs they have, um, ask. I, I think there's absolutely no um, no substitute for that firsthand uh, perspective. I think um, you cannot be customer-centric without customer intimacy. So, you know, there's no shortcut to that. Um, the second thing I would say that is is very closely related, though, is um, make sure you recognize the connection between employee engagement and customer satisfaction. Uh, I think over the past few years, as organizations have worked toward the um, the potential and focused a lot on the customer experience. Uh, we've maybe overlooked a bit the connection of um, you know how imperative our employees are in um, you know executing on that customer experience. And so we need to make sure that we have uh, a good culture, that we have employees who feel valued, who are engaged, who enjoy what they do. Um, ultimately, that is what is going to help us um, deliver that positive experience and, you know, maintain those relationships over the long term. Yeah, it, it is amazing, you know, in thinking about all aspects of business, regardless of whether you're manufacturing a product, you're delivering a service, technology oriented, less technology oriented it does come down to relationships, either relationships inside an organization in order to achieve excellence or the customer relationships. But it's back to, I, I guess we're talking about being humans again, aren't we, Sarah? Mm -hmm. It's relationships. Yeah. You know, I mean, in in a lot of years of, of uh, having all of these conversations, you know, it's almost always the people part that either has the biggest impact or causes the biggest problems, depending on how you look at it, right? It's it's typically that that is the hardest to get right. You know, I think that um, there's so much uh, development and, and sophistication in technology and there's, 
you know, a lot of power there and a lot of, uh, you know, room to expand um, and, and increase capabilities and evolve service delivery. But, you know, it doesn't work if you don't get the people part right, both on the customer side and the employee side. And so, you know, that's why that's to me the number one thing. Um, you know, the the other stuff is uh, more of an enabler and and quite frankly a little bit easier to sort out. Uh, the people stuff is is I think um, the part that can you know be uh, challenging. Put people first. I, I love it. Well, yeah. Sarah, thank you so much for coming and sharing your perspective on field service, field technologies, the growth, the opportunity. Uh, ahead. Uh, We should all feel excited and optimistic about what's to come and really appreciate you coming on and uh, making us more knowledgeable. Thank you for having me, Dan. And a reminder to continue to give us the gift of feedback on this podcast. You can go out, rate and review. That's really important. You can do that on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And as always, make sure to visit marketimpactnow.com for the latest in business leadership perspectives. So long until next time.